What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we are squarely in the guardrail episodes. Beverly cannot get enough of those sunflower seeds. And we ask the question, why can't we stand in the doorway? All that and more coming up. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today we are talking Season 6, Episode 19, Lessons. Like, can you believe we're already at 19? Wow, we're almost done with Season 6. I know! Which is, this is how I feel whenever I get to this part of TNG, where I'm like, you're in the really good stuff, but you're getting close to the end, so I don't like it. Where I'm like, no, 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 too close! Back away! Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I have a feeling once we hit Season 7, it's going to be that. Because I don't remember Season 7 being, like, killer. Yeah. So I feel like we're going to be like, Oh, and come on, we only have so many left. Oh, come on, yeah. we only have so many left. You know, I'm just, I'm just gonna go ahead and say we are, we are squarely in guardrail territory in our episodes. <laughs> These are guardrail episodes where it's like, oh, careful, you're getting too close to the edge. Yeah, it's about to be the end. Back yeah. up, yeah. back up, go back to season four. Yeah, or season right three. Right the sweet yep. spot. Oh, yep. season three was so good. All right. Well, this episode, Lessons, which is good, was written by Ron Wilkerson and Jean Louise Mathias and directed by Robert Weimer. Captain Picard's shared love of music with Lieutenant Commander Nella Darren, played by Wendy Hughes, leads to romance resulting in conflicting emotions on his part. What are your bum, initial bum, thoughts on bu- this? Oh, no, that's not a bum. <laughs> um, so I... <laughs> So I didn't really remember this one other than it was another chance for Picard to find love. So I did remember that part, but I remembered zero details. So I was super excited to rewatch it because I was like, this is going to feel like a brand new episode for me because I don't usually rewatch this particular episode. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of my thoughts. I was like, hmm, I know this will be like, this will be like a, you know, finding $5 in your pocket when you take your pants out of the laundry or something. You're like, hey, bonus. So mm-hmm. I, that's how I was feeling. Um. What were your initial thoughts about this episode? Um... I always remember this episode because of like the Jeffrey's tube junction, like music playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's lovely. I always wanted one of those roll up pianos. That's Not that so I could cool. do anything with it because I don't play the piano, but, but I've always at it wanted and you to could push it and just hear it <laughs> and hear sounds. Right. Um, I've always enjoyed this episode. It's a nice one. It's not one of like our 15 top 10 episodes yeah yeah. but it's just it's just really solid we're at we're at that part of the show by now like we're really deep into that part we're like everything is just kind of seamless and smooth there Mm -hmm. aren't really any like clunky parts unless we're talking about aquiel but like really Mm -hmm. it's just it's just a, a nice smooth ride i really like seeing the captain with a woman who's age appropriate because after tapestry and like the 60 something man is kissing the actress who played Marta, which we realized after we recorded, she was like 17 at the time yeah. of the, at the time of the filming was like, oh, God, this woman, I looked it up. She's 12 years younger than Picard. Oh, wow. So she's she is a bit younger, but she's not like 45 years younger. So yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that makes a mm-mm. huge difference. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, And I just I thought it was lovely. So. Um, well, let's open up this episode. This is just a nice little slice of life. It's the ship's like night watch. I like seeing off-duty Picard where, you know, Picard comes onto the bridge. It's just data because, you know, he can fly the whole damn ship on his own. Mm-hmm. We don't need anybody for anything else. We really. surely don't. But there were some other people pushing buttons behind him. Beeping stuff. Yeah. Because he wasn't pushing any buttons. He was just no. sitting in the chair. And it makes you like this scene chair. makes you see how like pointless a captain seems during <laughs> A vast majority of the ship's operations. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's not even, are there even buttons in his chair? Like there should be there an armrest. The little, the little armrest has some buttons, but we only see him use those buttons in like season one. And I think it's like, like the pilot episode or the naked now or something. Yeah. Where it's we like, saw it in the episode know. where Picard got kidnapped and then he got like sent back. Remember? Cause he like, oh no, he wasn't. Yeah. He looked over at Riker and Riker pushed some buttons and then Riker looked up at mm. Worf and Worf pushed some buttons and then they like trapped oh, those aliens. Oh, that's, right. that's right. That's right. That's but right. But they really yeah, don't totally even right. use those buttons. So Dana's just sitting there looking fly. And Picard really comes does. in with his triple X deep V. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think he was wearing his off-duty Starfleet uniform. Okay. Where it was like the red jacket. The v is all I can picture in my head. Like, Girl. Because he, he was wearing that this episode. He is single-handedly keeping the V-neck industrial complex up and running. Because, yeah. girl, he really he really loves a V-neck. The man does not do a constricting collar, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, you know, I do note, I love this little kind of difference where he goes, good evening, Mr. Data. And Data says... Uh, you actually mean good morning. So it's like, okay, it's like one or two in the morning. Mm-hmm. He's just here to do some work. And I kind of love this. Like Picard is so dedicated to his job that he's just sort of like knocking out his to-do list on his downtime. And I was like, I think that's great. Did you notice with the costuming, when he has off-duty Picard costume, the like the red jacket, he tucks his pants into his boots like the TOS Star Trek. Oh, no, I did not notice yeah, that. Yeah, it's kind of like these sort of like puffy bell like bell bottomy kind of pants that like they get tucked into the boots. And so it's very TOS reminiscent and it's only on his like downtime. He does that. And I think that's a, just a really nice, like little tiny detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you would um, pick up on that since you have recently started watching TOS. Yeah. So I would, I would not have picked up on that. So And then I <laughs> recently awesome. gave up on watching TOS oh, because most sad. of it is not great, but I will say the movies are pretty fantastic. Like the first three movies or so, they're really, mm-hmm. really, really, really great. It just wasn't that cerebral. Like TNG is just so much more like. It's a different, it's a different animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a totally different animal. Anyway, so Picard is in his ready room. He's doing some work. He's trying to get some work done, but stellar cartography has requested like a communication blackout while they run experiments, uh, deny access to the ship's library systems. The replicators are offline. So they're taking energy from every system in the ship, except for life support. <laughs> like every single system is being rerouted to stellar cartography. And it's not until he goes to make some Earl Grey hot where he's like, all right, now I can't replicate me some tea. What is going on in stellar cartography? (laughs) Like, and part of me was like, how does he not know? Because I feel like he knows everything that happens on the ship. But then the other part of me was like, but I like that he doesn't know because it seems more realistic. Like if this was a huge, you know, organization, for example, you shouldn't know everything that everyone's doing at every moment of time. That's what all your department heads are for. That's what all your, like, that's what all the people are for. You shouldn't know everything that's going on. So I kind of, part of me was like, "Mm, I feel like he always knows. And the other part of me was like, I really like that he doesn't know because it feels more it's real, more real. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally more real. So he does go down to Stellar Cartography. By the way, this is the first time that Stellar Cartography as a department is introduced to us. So I thought that was pretty neat. Oh. Huh. Um, I have heard that on DS9 and Voyager, it, it's like a much bigger sort of beast. But this is the first introduction. And I was like, Stellar Cartography would absolutely be a department. Oh, for Because sure. you're mapping out the stars for crying out loud. Like, you're an exploratory spaceship going into unknown stars. Like, you better have a Stellar Cartography department. Mm-hmm. But he, go to, he goes down there and he opens the door. And the woman in charge is like, in or out, because he's standing in the doorway, which my childhood comes right back to me where it's like, get in or get out, but don't just stand in the door. Why were we always taught not to stand in doorways? I don't understand this. I don't think it's the doorway. I think it's the fact that in this case, 
the door being open was letting all the light in and stellar cartography yeah. was pitch black and it was messing up an experiment. And my house growing up, it wasn't so much the doorway, it was letting the heat out. So the, mm. the comment was always like, what, are you trying to heat the whole block? Like, it was always <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, and that was like the in or out, like, don't leave the door open for like all of our heat to go out. Or it was stop coming in and out of this house because they were tired of hearing that door, <laughs> that door close. <laughs> so they were just like, we're done See? with that. Stop coming in and out. Pick one, pick one and stay there. So I have to stay outside all day and play or stay As inside a kid, all day and you're play. Like, so I, to choose. What if I have to go to the bathroom? Exactly. Or, or if I'm honey. thirsty, I want to drink a water. I need a snack. Like, but as a kid, you come in and out for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Like there's yeah. no reasons. I just like coming in and out. And so whatever they would say that I would get so scared because I'd be like, I have to pick it. I don't know which one to pick. And what if I pick the wrong one? And then I'm really bored. (laughs) Because there's nothing that's going to keep you occupied outside or inside. Or inside for more than 10 minutes. Nothing. (laughs) There's nothing. That's why you keep going in and outside. I can't. I stand in the. You know what? I'm going to tell you. Once we wrap this episode, I'm just going to go stand in a doorway just because. Okay. I've had it with this. I'm a grown up and I can do that now. I can do it. Also. It's not cold enough outside where my heater is on. So like the air inside and the air outside are the same. So there, <laughs> anyway. So the woman in charge is like, great. You just blew four hours of work by walking in this door. And he's like, why didn't you just lock the door? And she's like, it's three o'clock in the mo- Oh, captain. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that in my notes. Uh-oh. Like when she was just like, get in or get out. Like just make the light like go away. And then he comes in and the door closes. And she's like, great. Now it's going to take us some time for our eyes to readjust. And so she's all irritated. And then obviously Mm -hmm. the experiment doesn't work and they have to do it all over anyways. But I was thinking, and I wrote in my notes, um, this is yet another example why we need locks on doors. And then when she turns around and she's all mad and like Picard's like, why didn't you just lock the door? I was like, oh, we were on the same wavelength there. So there are locks. There are. man, lock the door. And then that's when she says, well, it was 3 a.m. Like, why would I have to lock the door? Who's going to walk in at 3 a.m.? Turns out Picard. Well, if you would have just let the captain get himself a cup of tea, you wouldn't be having this problem. But we wouldn't have an episode either, so whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, oh, God, okay. And so we find out that she's new on the Enterprise. She just transferred aboard. Um, She's working on, and I love, you know what, this uh, this episode has been criticized by some by not having enough, like, hard science, science fiction, but I felt like it had plenty. Like, you know, it was, I felt like it was fine. She's working on creating a mathematical model of an emerging star system that won't be formed for another 2 billion years. And I was like, that's really cool. Or sorry, 2 million years. And he's like, wow, 2 million years. We won't be here for it. That's the point. (laughs) I mean, it's a huge difference, but we won't be here. So like, yeah, we won't be here. Hundreds hundreds, even. Yeah. Dozens. Yeah. Dozens. (laughs) uh, 200. Yeah. 200 dozens. We won't be here. Um, (laughs) No. And so the, I, I agree with you. I think there's plenty of science, sci, yeah, science and sci-fi in this because mm-hmm. not every episode, as you have pointed out before, not every episode has to be laser battles, like yeah. to be sci-fi. And this is not that. This is the yes. point of this is not there's some planet in this outer star system that's dying of a plague or a virus and we have to get the medicine to them within six hours or they're all going to die. <sighs> this is not that storyline. This is yeah. just slice of life. What What would it look like if Picard found love with someone on the crew? Not mm-hmm. on an alien planet, not some like vagabond Indiana Jones person, <laughs> not like, you know, some devil on another planet, like not some weird thing. Oh, Ardra. Just, like just a regular, what would it look like for a regular person? And so that's the point of the episode. Yeah. It's not about the technology. It's not about the laser beams and aliens. It's about what would this even look like? Does he even mm-hmm. have downtime? He's working at 3 a.m. Does he even have downtime in space yeah. relationship? And if he did, He's... how would he react with the crew? Like. That's the point. 
I feel a little bit like Picard in this one sense only. Um, this past weekend, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and I couldn't fall back asleep. And so at 5 a.m., I was making scones because I was like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, and and I did think of you. I was like, what would Sharice do? And I was like, Sharice would take Charisse one would not roll her eyes scones. and go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'll tell you I what Sharice really... would not do. Oh, Sharice yeah. would eat the scones, though. I would still be a what part I of it. Do I would support have you. Is a whole tray of freshly made strawberry scones now. So I'm like, all right, I'm cool with this. But yeah, like <laughs> this happens to me from time to time with my insomnia where I wake up, it's the middle of the night and I can't fall back asleep. So I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to just do some some other stuff just to kind of keep me occupied yeah. until I get tired again, right? So they end up sort of chatting and he's like, you know, I had to come down here and see what you were doing because I couldn't make my Earl Grey. And I love that immediately. She's like, no wonder you can't sleep. What are you doing drinking a stimulant at this time of night? Computer. Darren's herbal blend number three. And she's like, try this. I think you'll like it. And he immediately chokes on it. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, and I was like, ah, it's valerian root. It is disgusting. <laughs> and it does make you sleep, but it's disgusting tasting. <laughs> so she's kind of like, okay. And he's a little delighted by her, right? Where you're I, like, okay. I he's loved, my favorite part about this scene is I loved that she not only has one, but like seven tea blends mm-hmm. that she's created. So it's like, oh my gosh, she's into tea. Like, we all mm-hmm. know he's into tea. One very specific type of love tea, because that's what relaxes yeah. him. But for her to be like, oh, trust me, you're going to love this. And then when he's like, mm, it's very good. Mm, thank you. Then mm-hmm. she's like, okay, well, I have a lot of blends. Okay, there's one of them you're going to like. Like, I just love that she's like a tea enthusiast. And yes. that they could bond over something so simple. You know, people, we talked, and I yeah. think it was la- yeah, last week's episode, we talked about like, we met Hutch, who was the master of small talk, and he just yeah. was always bringing up random crap about things that don't matter. But mm-hmm. I was thinking about that today, about small talk, and how you can have a conversation about something completely irrelevant that's a very rewarding and satisfying conversation. You could talk about the weather and have a great conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is like that. They're talking about tea, but it's like a really relevant conversation like and I just I loved it I loved it I want to yeah I loved it so we come back from the credits it's a cute little scene I love that she kind of takes charge immediately where she's like oh this tea is no good let me give you this one I have other blends you know we're like he's he's definitely like disarmed by her and Mm -hmm. not at all what he was expecting right yeah so we come back from the credits and it's business as usual for the enterprise and I love that we have this tradition of Beverly coming to have breakfast with Picard. Mm-hmm. I love this. And some really insane f- breakfast, too. I was like, dang, y'all think you have enough plates and trays and, like, freaking... Oh, my God. What is this stuff? I just also, do, like, a bagel. She kept, What's going on? She kept, like, loading her plate full of, like, sunflower seeds, but her plate was already overflowing <laughs> with shit. I was like, Beverly, for... Okay, Buffet 101, eat the <laughs> stuff that's on your plate and then go back for more. I was <laughs> like, okay. But you know what I noticed is that at the end of their meal... When they got called away to the bridge, suddenly she like dabs her mouth and puts her like paper, her like napkin down. And I was just like, question, who cleans this? Who's picking up all these plates and putting them in the recycler? The house elves, girl. Yeah, you're right. It's like, who is cleaning this up? Now she is like, Jean-Luc, what is this tea? It's delicious. And he's like, um, I found it on the replicator. And I was like, bingo. He's already hiding stuff, which means Yes, why did he do that? Well, it's too Why soon for him to be that? sharing. He had this. Well, because, okay, you know when you because meet someone. Because 10 seconds you, later, he goes, hey, so I met this girl. Wait. <laughs> no, but he didn't. He didn't. He said, have you met some of the people that came from Starbase whatever? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, not yet. And he's like, well, it turns out there's some people working on stellar cartography. They're using fractal particle motion on the basis of this, like, mathematical construct for predicting the star system. They're using gravimetric wave input for the basis of the model itself and she was like uh-huh 
okay. You know, and she's spooning more and more sunflower seeds on her plate. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sure it sounds very boring. And he's like, and she was like, I'm sure it's super interesting. Just, you know, and he didn't say like, I met this woman. Now here's where I think Picard is at. You know, when you meet someone and you feel some interest in them or some sparks, but you're not mm-hmm. sure if they reciprocate or you're like, maybe I just made that up in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like maybe they're married or I don't know what, right? It's too soon to be sharing like this little bitty like egg that you have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you're like too mm-hmm. fragile, too little still. He does talk about the relationship he forms with her, but with like Deanne and stuff like later because mm-hmm. they're in like a full everybody's yeah. on board with this relationship. It's not just like he's got a crush on this girl who maybe, you know. Who knows what, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Leah Brahms thing again, yeah. right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're married. Okay, so I completely made up this flirtation in my mind. Great. I think that's why he didn't say anything, I think. Um, I think it's they, because he and Beverly still have a little thing together. Oh, and, to 100%. And I was just like, but we all know this is not going anywhere. So, And you guys both celebrate and support each other whenever you find a new person. So, like, but he hadn't, you're right. He hadn't, quote unquote, found a new person. He just has a crush on this girl who's really cute. Mm-hmm. And really smart and really she pretty, is very and pretty and very stuff. smart. And so he's not, yeah, he's not in a relationship yet to be like, hey, Beverly, you know, I need your support. Cause she would totally be like, oh, I'm, I'm up, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kind of like walks around yeah, saying, I sure met this girl. And then, you know, he, she, he is about to say something when they get calm to the bridge. Or no, they have to leave for the concert. That's what it is. Yes. They have to leave for the concert. So it's like, oh shoot, we got to Did go you notice that concert. Beverly was like, I I I still had food on my fork? Mm-hmm. Where he was like, we I better did. go, let's go. And she was like, uh, uh, okay. And like takes that bite. She then... had food on her fork. She had food on her plate. And they had food on all of the platters in front Every of them. Every possible surface in that room. Was covered. The floors, <laughs> the ceilings, <laughs> the couch. The sonic yeah. shower. Everything was covered with food <laughs> for a breakfast for two. Yep. What happened to those Owan eggs? Like some <laughs> some eggs and some toast and some coffee. Like, I don't you know, know, girl, that's me though. Can I'm I like, get a replicator? Okay, five, I'm like, five people are coming over. Better make enough food for 14. No, no, Why no. Is this is everybody is, eating. This is Andrea. This is Andrea. Three of us are going camping. Let me make gourmet burgers stuffed with bacon and covered with bacon. Let me also make like a pie. You know, it wasn't even a regular pie. I don't even know what kind of pie it this is. It was a is. plum cobbler. Yeah. Let me make a plum cobbler because, you know, there were some plums at the grocery store on my way camping. So let me just bust that up and put that in the campfire. She made a plum cobbler on a camp. To be fair. Fire. To be fair. Not everybody... even a real oven, people. <laughs> Thank you, friend. To be fair, we all brought plums as like the fruit that we contributed. And I was like, what is three? What are three of us going to do with like 11 plums? <laughs> what are we gonna do with them? I will make a cobbler. Fine, fine. It this was is Andrea really good, versus, and this is her the whole time. I'm not the kind of person who just eats a can of beans. I would never do that on camping <laughs> trip, which is what like 99 of everyone else does camping. So, anyways, so you would be down with this spread for breakfast? Oh, I'd be I would. Like, I'd be like, are there more much? sunflower seeds? Do you think it's too? No, it's not too much. Okay, so they they go to this concert. Which we're has such a mess. <laughs> we're not, we're we're like one minute in from the credits. Okay, we really are, but I think it. I think it'll go faster from here. So, um, which that's a false thought, but that's just no, my no, delusion. it will because now we know it will. Sure. So we go to this concert, <laughs> which has Data, Darren, and Random Lady, and it is the mm-hmm. most beautiful concert. Like I literally want to go <sighs> to a concert after watching this. I was like, yeah. I just want more of this. It's beautiful. It was yeah. just beautiful. Like I was just. 
I was just flabbergasted by how gorgeous this playing was. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, they have like a little reception after the concert, which is so cute. Like I love so that. So lovely. That it's very Frasier in space. It would totally work. <laughs> yeah. You go, and, to when you go to the opera and then you have a reception. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Picard and and uh, Darren, Lieutenant Commander Darren, get a chance to kind of like, you know, walk up to the side and kind of chit chat. And he's like so nerding out about her music and he's Mm -hmm. like i mean he just gives her the most odd compliment about her choice of notes during the arpeggio she played and being like wow that was just so unusual it's not what it's not what the listener would expect in all of this stuff and so she's like wait a minute you're into music oh we have to play together like we have to Mm -hmm. do a jam session he's like no no no, i'm I'm not it's so weird seeing picard being humble about anything see this is this is my big takeaway about this episode the shift in power dynamic is what mm. makes this episode fun because mm-hmm. he's the captain. He's in charge of the whole ship and everybody on it and everything on it. And here's this woman who's new, who's a subordinate, like mm-hmm. professionally, and she totally takes charge and she she puts him on his toes. Yeah. And he nerds out. She's the stronger musician. She knows like all the right places to play. And he's just along for this ride. And he is like delighted to be kind of the more submissive one, if I could even say that, where it's like, yeah, the power dynamic just totally shifts. She's an equal, the same way that Beverly's an equal, except they don't have this yes. long history of water under the bridge. She's yeah. a newcomer, but they both are like, she's an equal in the sense that she's not fangirling him. Like yeah. most people in her position would, when you meet the captain of the flagship, you're going to be like, yes, yes, sir, right away, sir. I'll do that, sir. Yes, You're not totally. going to be like, what? Let me get you some tea. That tea you're drinking is just not going to cut it. Like mm-hmm. she's so familiar with him and so like comfortable Mm -hmm. that it allows him to be comfortable and kind of take down that wall of I'm the captain yeah call me sir um which he never says but like there's that sense that you get from him and I I agree like totally that's that's really beautiful so we have this this short scene where um Darren comes to Riker on the bridge and is like I need more xyz I need more power for us or I need more time on the array and Riker's like no and she's like but I need it. And it's so important and blah, blah, blah. And she's not taking no for an answer. So then he's like, all right, fine. I'll see what I can do to get you some more time on the array tomorrow. And she's like tomorrow. And he's like, looks at her and she goes, tomorrow's great. Thank you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Which because if I recall correctly, they're like studying this nebula. So like all these different departments need time to do whatever studies they're doing. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. she's like, but I, we need more time. And he's like, I'm sorry. All these other departments are like on my neck to give them more time as well. And actually, I really love this because he kind of smiles at her. He finds her sort of charming. She seems like a more charming Ensign Rowe. Like she stands up for her team, advocates for herself, but not in a way that's like, fine, I'm taking it anyway. Goodbye. Kiss my ass, right? Where it's like, okay, (laughs) wow, Rowe, coming in kind of hot, right? She's a little (laughs) bit more, she's direct about it, but she's um, diplomatic, I feel like. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, this is why I need it. You know, she's real. She's great as a department lead Mm because she really fights for her team. Mm-hmm. Now in his quarters, Picard's in his deep V, his like triple X rated deep V, and he's got the Russican flute out. It's the second time we see it. And um, Lieutenant Commander Darren, Nella, Nella is her first name. She comes to see him and she's got the rolled up piano. And I love it. He is delighted to see her. He is thrown off kilter, but in a really good like butterflies in your stomach kind of way. Mm-hmm. So she sees his Russican flute and tries playing it and doesn't get very far. And I was like, um, how hard can this be? Because it's basically like those plastic recorders oh, we all yeah. played in like the third grade. Yeah. Right? I was like, how did you not get a note out of this? But whatever. He plays it for her. She's very moved. And I just love this interaction between them and 
they play some like Brandenburg concerto, but it's a little too fast for him. So we get that callback to like Frere Jaca mm-hmm. and they both play together and kind of play with the metal melody. And these sparks girl, they are flying <laughs> everywhere all over the place. And it's so sweet and cute. And like Picard is just, he's looking at her with heart eyes and mm-hmm. I know what that feels like. And it's really beautiful. It really is. This reminds me of the episode um, a while back where Troy falls in love with that perfect man and that perfect civilization that's like yes. coming to ruins. Yeah. There's that episode where they just kind of like, he was just a nice guy, like a great match for her. And they just went on a bunch yeah. of dates. And that was pretty much the episode. Like there was also a life-threatening crack in the dome and there all was that. stuff. So there was another storyline going on there. But the part that I loved about it was just seeing Troy and this guy just go on dates that are just normal and happy and just mm-hmm. cute and fun. And that's where we're getting with Picard. It's just like cute. It's fun. There's nothing crazy. There's no alien kidnapping. It's just like, this is just what it would look like. And I love that she comes over for a jam session totally as a surprise. This was not planned or anything. She just is like, yeah. hey, how's it going? Oh, you're awake? Great. I brought my piano. Just like, <laughs> okay. This um, is a take charge woman. And Picard <laughs> is like, you can take charge of me anytime, Nella. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's really cute. All I have to say is yes. And then <laughs> when we see, you know, in the next scene, we see Picard on the bridge asking Riker to join him for fencing because um, his, you know, fence, his normal fencing partner can't make it. And Riker's like, oh, I don't really think. And he goes, you can do it as long as you enjoy yourself. It doesn't matter if you're not good because those, that's the line that she told mm-hmm. him last yeah. night was like, as long as you're enjoying it, it doesn't matter. But he just has a pep in his step. He like, you know, hits Riker in the chest with his finger. Like, do 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 do. Isn't this fun? Like, he's just being all yes. cute. And Riker is like, "What the f what is the going f on?" F is right going now? on. <laughs> and it's really cute to see Picard just have a pep in his step. Um, because he's really excited about something that has nothing to do with archaeology, has nothing yeah. to do with a treaty or yep. anything. It's just his personal life is making it's, him happy, and yeah, it's really beautiful. It feels, it feels a little bit Disney princess in that moment where, like, the Disney princess meets the <laughs> prince, she has a huge crush on him, and then she's singing to the birds and the rabbits <laughs> and shit, like, you know, um, which, by the way, it's incredibly misleading as a young girl to think <laughs> that if I just sang, birds would land on my shoulder, and believe me, girl, I tried. Yeah. I tried to make that happen, and I just walked around in my backyard singing with my <laughs> arms out, hoping birds would land on me. Thanks a lot, Disney. Anyway. Well, I'll tell you, even if those birds landed on you like Disney promised, what Disney also didn't show is the fact that those birds would 100% poop on you. Yeah. So maybe or it was for the best. Or something. Yeah. It was, I'm going to say it was for the best. Like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 for sure. But like, it's a little Disney princess of Picard because he's like all in these high spirits and he's like humming to himself and stuff. And it's cute because, you know, he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't caught the feels for someone since he was thrashing himself around Nottingham with, with Vosh. So it's like, yeah. it's been, a, it's been a while. So this is mm-hmm. nice. Now, Nella is in sick bay. She's got a bad case of piano elbow and she's getting treated by Beverly. And she tells Beverly that she must have overdone it with Picard last night. And I love that Beverly's like, really? With the piano? Jean-Luc? Yes, I have known him a long time, a very long time. And she's like, wow, I feel like he's kind of like, like sort of locked in this little cage or something. And Beverly's like, I think he's really private, but you know, really not more than that. And you know what I will say? Beverly was obviously interested in this conversation. She was, I think, a little bit envious or jealous. She was feeling some kind of way. 
she was feeling some because she was not you having her normal bedside manner of like oh my gosh tell me you know she was just like "Mm, i know she was mm -hmm." like really one word answers yeah really yes but you know what she didn't compromise is her medicine because she was like i'm still gonna cure you yeah because i'm a good doctor and that's what i do she did but she did it in like the the least friendly way (laughs) she could do it but she did do it because she was just like like you know when she and it's it was kind of hard to watch because you just mm-hmm. see Beverly like processing this information and the way yeah. that the way that Nell is saying it it sounds like it's more like something that's not like it's like it's a little more intense yeah I overdid like, it R-rated. with Jean-Luc last night exactly. where you're like what were you right and she, like, and she yeah, does say music. yeah and she does say like yeah with the piano but it sounds like oh yeah me and him were up all night wink wink and that's not what was happening yeah, it's like we were but, making beautiful music right. it's like you but were it was, but not like yeah, that. yeah but it was but it was romantic but like Beverly was like yes, I did know he played, but I didn't know he did duets, you know, and she's kind of like, yeah, trying not to smile because she it's going to be a grimace. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when when she's all better, and Nell's like, Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You did such a great job or whatever. Bev is like, and then she goes, "Um, I was afraid I was going to have to cancel tonight. And she goes more tonight. duets. Yeah. And it's just like, you <laughs> oh. just see the grimace of just like, but oh, also, I but didn't also, know Beverly, was you live on thing. the ship with this man. If you feel this way about him, you've had You've literally had every, every opportunity. opportunity. Like, for example, when you were eating breakfast, <laughs> like every opportunity or when you had breakfast the morning before and the morning before that and the morning before that. So I feel like it's more the fact that she's hearing it from Darren. I think if she had heard it from yeah. Picard, she'd be like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Congratulations. But because she's hearing this whole like, oh, me and Picard, we overdid it last night. <laughs> we're going to do it again tonight. It feels a little more like, oh, I'm sorry. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> How long also, have you been? Also, on the you know what? I think you're. I think you're <laughs> right. It's it's more hurtful coming from Nella because she's so close with Picard that she's like, "How come I'm not hearing this from him?" You know, like why am I hearing it from the new woman that he's got a new woman? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Now they go on this lovely little excursion, and I was like, "This is awesome. This is a hundred percent my kind of excursion." I don't play music, but yeah. crawl through the Jeffrey's tubes to find the most acoustically perfect place on the whole ship. Amazing, especially when you have multiple holodecks on the ship that you could just easily like. I feel like Make the holodeck is like the lazy person's excursion, where you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I just plug in. Yeah, like I just plug in the parameters that I want, and like that's it." But she has crawled all over and found this per- acoustically perfect junction. And they end up playing music together. Did you know that the Jeffrey's tube behind her is not a Jeffrey's tube at all, but it's just a painting of a Jeffrey's tube? No, I did not know that. <laughs> it was done so well. So if you guys are watching this episode, which I recommend watching it, it's a really lovely, nice episode. There's, you know, the lights in the Jeffrey tube are all, are all kind of like yellowy, white, orangey, like warm light. And then there's a Jeffrey's tube behind Nella that's kind of like, cool like purpley blue light and it's a painting of a jeffrey's tube so they didn't have to build that set and i was like wow snaps to you guys because even reading that i was like no i remember it just being jeffrey's tubes all around but then when i watched it i was like oh but you have to really look at it to be like oh i guess that's the one it was super 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 cool just so well done by you the know whole team. i i did not know that but what i did notice is because they're talking about this being such an acoustic acoustically perfect place mm-hmm. everything had echoes their conversation had echoes their music mm-hmm. had echoes but even to the point where picard's footsteps had echoes there's a part where he sits down to You're play the right. flute and he takes like two steps and then sits down and they made the two steps echo and i was like oh Ugh. oh that's a nice touch see like that's so what, i don't think i would have noticed i don't think i would have noticed if it didn't have an echo i wouldn't have noticed but because it did i was like wow sound is on it like 
the the world building is so complete. It's just, it's just so perfect. Now they end up, you know, they end up playing this Resican folk melody, the one from inner light. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful callback to inner light. And Picard is just so enchanted by this woman. So they play music together and in main engineering, Jordy's like picking up this very distant tune and he kind of sticks his head into a Jeffrey's tube junction, but the music is like gone. And he's like, I, uh, I thought I heard music and data's like, I don't hear anything, which if anybody's going to hear anything, it's going to be data with his super ears. Exactly. Right. And so we have this cut scene where like Picard and Nella are kissing and it's like, oh, they've like moved it from the flirting. I don't know where this, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I feel the same way you do stage to like, okay, they're super into each other. Um, And then the next thing we see, they're in the turbo lift and Nella and Picard continue talking about music. And at this point I was like, do y'all have anything else in common besides music and TV? That's all they talk about. Um, And a crew member sort of drops in to ride the elevator and Picard adopts his like captain's demeanor and turns away from her and calls her commander and leaves the turbo lift. And she, she says something kinda, like she, she says, Oh, I get off, I get off work at 11 or something like that. 1100 he, hours. Yeah. And he's like, he's like very good commander and walks away. Like, thank you for the information and just leaves. Yeah. And at she's the like, first stop oh, of the turbo lift. He is uh, out of there. Yeah. And she's got this like that wasn't whiplash. Even the floor he meant to be on. He nope. just got off when the nope. door was open. Girl, he's taking away. a Jeffrey's tube to wherever he needs to go now. Because I'm like, he doesn't even want to risk taking another turbo. He's going to do a site to site transport just so he doesn't run into anyone and else. We established that last week that they don't do this unless it's an emergency. Yeah, but um, she's just left with this little whiplash, like from the change, which I feel bad for her because, man, like here they were humming along, and all of a sudden he's like cold and distance. Like, what is going on? Um. Now, Bersalin 3 reports that they're entering this period of firestorm, so the Enterprise, like, diverts to study this phenomenon. And as Picard makes the call to be like, yeah, warp five, let's go. He's like, uh, Counselor, can I see you for a minute in the ready room? And he kind of talks about this new romance with Nella. And girl, Counselor Troy already knows all of it. Counselor Troy and everyone else on the ship. Everyone like, I don't else, know too. All 1,182 people know what's going on <laughs> on this ship at this point the last person to know was beverly and now she knows yeah so yeah. like i don't like i get that he wants to be all professional and stuff but you just can't keep secrets on a ship this size even nope. with thousand a thousand people like you cannot not in his you know position as captain you know who was you know who was able to keep their relationship a secret for a long time was keiko and miles because nobody gave a fuck about them but it's the captain <laughs> it's the captain everybody cares about the captain you know what i mean like yeah. how do you hide something like that so did you notice when they first walked into the ready room and if you didn't notice go watch the scene one more time okay. there's this beautiful ship made out of glass yes because oh the camera has it like center. Gosh, I want that. It is, isn't it beautiful? It's so cool. It is a model ship. It shows a bunch of things at once. One, Picard is a historic. He's a romantic at heart because these captains have like model ships of the old versions that like the, the original Enterprise <laughs> that was a clipper ship. You're like, wow. <laughs> like he's just like a child at heart in a way, right? He's like romanticizing the old beautiful ships. And it's made in the most Star Trekky way. It's made out of glass and like the sails are glass or resin or whatever. Oh my the God. It's got like, how the F did you do that? Or where did you get that? How did that? they do that? Gorgeous. I don't even care if it's all just like epoxy beautiful gorgeous so pretty. i want yeah. that ship i want everything about that ship and it actually took me a minute 
before I paid attention to what was going on in the scene because it stays in focus. Like the kind of mm-hmm. like the corner of it is still in focus when the two of them go to sit down on the couch to talk. And yeah. I was like, I want that so bad. I need to own this. I don't know what I, I would do with it. It would just sit there and I would just look at it. It was just really pretty. I know. You know what I would do is I would have it and I'd probably put like a small little light under it so that it would like light yeah. up at night. Yeah. Oh, wow. That would be so cool. It was gorgeous. Anyway. Let's add it to the list of things we wish we had. I want to show. Wanna, uh, <laughs> you want that crazy want, tea set? We, I want the crazy tea set that he and Beverly were drinking from this episode. The one where the cups all mold to the into teapot, the teapot, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can still buy those for like $650. And I'm like, <laughs> can you take $6.50? Like, that's about what I can afford. But um, that's really cool. We want that ship. I want a... Um, What's the little... Uh, I want an exocomp purse oh and an exocomp projector. Yes, yes. Yes, I want I an exocomp nightlight. Mm-hmm. Like I just want so. Many- I want a replicator, <laughs> yeah, like a I full mean, fu- fully functioning one. I want to yeah, be able yeah, to have like that. a whole plate of whatever in the middle of the night seeds. that I don't cook. Whole bunch of seeds. sunflower seeds and pasta <laughs> at three a.m. because that's what I want. So they're having this conversation, Troy and Picard, and basically, and basically, Picard is saying, "I know there's no regulations against you know having a relationship on the ship, but I feel like weird about it. I don't know." And and Troy just smiles and goes, Captain, are you asking my permission? That's and he sweet. goes, if I were, would you give it? And she just smiles and goes, yes. And I was like, mm. oh my gosh, I love this so much. And she I does love say, everybody, everybody who knows you and loves you is happy for you. Because he's like, yeah. is it that obvious? Does everybody know? I thought it was a big secret. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's that obvious. But everyone who knows and loves you is cheering for you. And like, Isn't what a beautiful so darling thing here. Yeah. Yeah, for everybody to be cheering for the captain. I mean, he's earned their trust and respect years ago. So for mm-hmm. him to find an equal in this woman who like seems to value him as much as he values her, it's a beautiful thing to find. And I love that. I love that for him. Now, Picard, obviously being sort of self-aware, goes to Stellar Cartography to apologize to Nella for leaving her the way he did in the turbo lift. And I love that she's just super mature and together. And she's like, you know, Thank you for explaining. Like, it's going to take a little bit to get used to being seen on a personal level, like with the captain as a, in a relationship. So I appreciate that you came down here. To, and she doesn't make a huge deal out of it. And I was like, see, Nella, this is this is lovely yeah. right here. Not only does she not make a huge deal, when he comes in, she's just like, sir, captain, nice to see you, sir. Right. She's back to like, OK, I guess we're formal. And then mm-hmm. he's like, no, you don't have to do that. Like, it was totally my fault. I'm, I'm really sorry. And then she's just like, oh, OK, good, because I thought that I had just misread the signs i thought i had you know thought that this was more than it was and i was confused and then you like kissed me in the next second we're back to like formal with one another and so not only did she not freak out but she was extremely mature in like handling the situation even if it had changed and now we're back to sir and sir but like yeah. the fact that it hadn't she was able to talk through that i just thought that was really really cool like this is this is an adult relationship this is different from the situation in tapestry right yeah. where were quote unquote young Picard who was just like regular Picard hooked up with young with the young you know girl who he always had a crush on and then the next yeah. day she was just like this has ruined our friendship and we can never speak again right like um, that's kind of an immature way to, okay. to handle yes uncomfortable yeah. feelings and so yeah. I really appreciate that both of them are so like grown up <laughs> to be like yeah that was weird let's let let's not do that again yeah and you know what I think that also speaks about where we are in our lives in our maturity where we're like yeah we don't need the yelling screaming tantruming storming out drama like yeah no or the games or whatever like no I don't do I don't do games because like why don't you just tell me how you're feeling and I'll tell you how I'm feeling we could try to find some common ground the end like doesn't have to be a whole deal yeah now 
he does tell her, he's like, can you come to my quarters later? I have something I want to tell you, but not here. So they're meeting up later. And he tells her about his experience in the inner light and how he lived like a whole life and a children and grandchildren. And he wants her to know like what his music means to him and the ex- what the experience was like. And I don't think he's ever shared that with anyone. So this is really, really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's like this short little scene that like beautifully sort of shows like the deepening of their connection and their bond and their relationship. And I was like, oh, this isn't just some like excited little romp through the Jeffrey's tube to play mm-hmm. some music. And it's like fun and cute and butterflies. Like this is something really deep and meaningful to Picard, which I'm like, oh, it's great. Now, Nella kind of has this moment with Riker in the hallway and she's asking about some crew transfers to stellar cartography and she and Riker have this little back and forth with some pushback because he's like no so and so needs to stay where he's at she's like no but sir he would be perfect for the job I'm so sorry I kind of spoke at a turn I said he would be great I would love to have him can you transfer him and he's like you know what no like no um and this again shows where maturity lies because Riker goes to Picard and he's like, look, I'm I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable with the request that Darren is putting in because of the relationship she has with you, Picard. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, see, right here shows the trust and the bond that Riker has with Picard to be Mm -hmm. like, something is making me uncomfortable. It has to do with you. So I'm just coming to you to talk to you about it. I love this scene. This was maybe my favorite scene because of that. Mm. Because like, it's really hard. I think I'm, I think I'm okay with having difficult conversations. Like I don't avoid them. I don't seek them out, but I don't avoid them. Um, And, but they're uncomfortable. Like they still feel just as sucky. You know, the people who avoid conflict or avoid uncomfortable, I don't even call it conflict, just uncomfortable situations or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. conversations. I understand why they do that because it doesn't feel good. It feels really weird. And I could appreciate Riker feeling really weird. But the fact that he went and talked to Picard and said, I'm feeling uncomfortable. And Picard guessed it was because of their relationship. And Riker's like, yes, it is. And I'm not sure how to handle it. To me, I was just like, it made me respect Riker so much to have the courage to say that to his boss. Even though, I mean, even when you're talking to a friend and you have an uncomfortable conversation, it's still Mm kind of scary and it still doesn't feel good. And you still don't know how it's going to go. And um. So I absolutely love that he was able to talk to him. And this was like a really short scene. This whole scene was like, it was less time to watch this whole scene than we're taking to talk about it. But I Mm -hmm. loved the scene Mm -hmm. because of that, like the transparency, the vulnerability, the trust they have between them. And the fact that Riker could just be like, here's how I'm feeling. Like he didn't make anybody wrong. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't whining. He was just like, here's how I'm feeling. I'm not sure what to do. And for Picard to respond with, well, was she asking you anything inappropriate? Was this like, you know, are you telling me as the captain because there's something wrong that I need to address? And Riker's like, no, she would, she didn't ask me anything inappropriate. It's just, I feel uncomfortable with her requests and I'm not sure how to handle them because if mm-hmm. I say no, is that going to get back to you or something? Yeah. You know, like this was all unsaid. And then Picard was just like, well, if she's doing her job, let her do her job. And I want you to keep doing your job. You're in charge of resources. You're in charge of allocations. So you decide what should go where, who should go where. I have always had 100% faith in you and I continue to have faith in you. Mm-hmm. And Riker's just like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like you could just see the relief on his face because now he can say no without feeling like some weird repercussions are going to come back to him yeah. from Picard yeah. through her or something off like that. Yes. Well, I 100% agree with you on that. And I think that like uncomfortable situations are like speed bumps, right? Like yeah. you go over the speed bump, you try to tread carefully. It's still a little bit bumpy and then yeah. you get past it and then it's smooth sailing after that, mm-hmm. right? In yep. in theory, right? People who avoid those speed bumps tend to go like the long way to get around them and they usually end up completely stuck in the gravel at some yeah, point. They get like, into a see, pothole. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and then rip off their tire. And you're like, see, this is what happens when you try <laughs> to avoid these uncomfortable conversations. Like it's better to just communicate openly and as clearly as you can. And like, you know, and just, and that's what they did. And it was like a little bit uncomfortable. And at the end, Riker walked out like 20 seconds later being like, cool. And Picard's like, cool. Right. Everything is good. Because everything they was had, good. That uncomfortable conversation just took a few seconds and if everything's good. And then to follow it up, we see Picard having dinner um, mm. with Darren and he brings up this conversation. Like Riker came to see me today. This mm-hmm. is the concern. And we yep. both need to be careful that we're not, you know, abusing this relationship that we have and that yeah. we're still being professional. And she's just like, I was being professional. I was doing everything I could to fight for my department. And it's exactly what I have and always done. And it's yeah. what I will continue to do. And she said, I don't want to have to worry about what people are thinking or misreading me or double, you know, second guessing every decision yeah. I make or every person I talk to. Like I was not behaving in any way having to do with us and I won't do that. And so Picard's like, cool. Okay. So we're on the same page with that. So even that he brought up the uncomfortable conversation. He could have just kept it a big secret. Like mm-hmm. he didn't have to talk to her about it. No, but I'm glad he did because again, that just shows this openness and like maturity. That's really refreshing. Well, I'm also glad that he did because if she would have blown up on him, it's better that he knows that now than like three weeks from now or three months from now. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. if you can't handle a very slightly uncomfortable conversation, then you're definitely not going to be able to handle the like really uncomfortable conversations, right? Now they're resuming their date. She's like, now what's this dessert you're going to make for me? And by make, you mean tell the replicator to make it. (laughs) Yes. Um, yes. (laughs) And Worf calls the captain to come up to do captain-y things. And she's like... Okay, you know, and it felt very much like the wife of a doctor or a something that's like yeah. you get beeped and you got to like go and it's something. like oh, yes, right. on, on call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this outpost is turns out down on the planet it's going to require evacuation. Um and so they're built to withstand these firestorms that happen on this planet, which I was like this sounds really cool. Firestorms? That sounds amazing. But and this it looked like, exactly like what you would think. It was yes. actually a storm of fire. Like yes, it that was, was like cool. fire tornadoes and stuff. It was amazing. Now, this is not just a regular firestorm though, Sharice. It is like a mega storm, right? It's like global warming has made it a monster. So <laughs> Ella, who's in this senior meeting, which I was like, hey girl, nice to see you. She suggests creating like a firewall to deflect most of the heat back out to the storms because she's like well i did that on like tegra four or whatever and so they're like you know what jordy's like it might work for us and so they're like okay we're gonna go ahead and do this and they head out to set it up and it's gonna be a dangerous assignment and picard kind of holds her back after the meeting and he's like is there anyone else who can do this and i love again that this is a little bit of the dynamic shift where normally stereotypically it's like the woman who's like don't put yourself in danger and the oh yeah like, you're right i got to go right this time it was the man who was like is there anybody else who can put themselves in this situation because i don't want you being in danger and she reminds him that they agreed not to one not to let their personal relationship get in the way of their work so it's like let me remind you of the conversation we had but two i'm assuming Riker chose me because I'm the best person for this job and I need to do my job. Yeah. And she was and the best person like, because she's the one who's done it before because it was her idea. She should absolutely idea. be a part of this team. She is the right person. And Picard doesn't make a fuss about it, but he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. But he is very uncomfortable with her going into danger. And wouldn't you be too? It's like fire So yes, wasn't it great that they Megastorm. had that conversation over dinner? Because now they could reinforce that conversation mm-hmm. and be like, ah, ah, remember, we're not going to let this come between our our duties. Like, so good thing they had that talk. They had that, their boundaries again, all this set. Is why you and have, they, this is why you have your boundaries. And they yep. observed them. So good on them. And so we discover that the ionization from the storm is going to 
slow down the transporters. And I put mm-hmm. in my notes, of course it is. Um, it's all <laughs> transporters to- are amazing. And also the, like literally like a butterfly flaps its wings on the wrong side of the planet and transporters are down. Transporters are down. And also we can't use shuttles. So sorry. <laughs> for some reason. Um, yeah. For some reason, because the storm is too big and we'll burn up the shuttle. So um, they are trying to like, because the storm is twice as big as anything they've ever seen before, they are not confident that the outpost is going to make it, that all the precautions mm-hmm. they have in place is going to make it at all. So they're like, we just need to transport everybody off. And there's over a hundred people yep. and the transporters, even though supposedly from season one, they have like 27 transporter rooms. Thank you. I put the, that in my notes too. By the time we get to season six, they have one. So yeah. we're down to cargo bays. It's going to take at least 10 more minutes. I was like, you'll have 20 Seven. Transporter rooms. Like do one, do one transport. You can get literally everybody in one shot. It's like a nine second. You can get their pets. You can get the like, like their hay that they were standing on. Yes, exactly. You could bring some rocks, some food, like everything can be transported (laughs) all at the same time. All of it. So, but in any case, for some reason, it's season six. But by the time we get to season six, they have exactly one transporter room. So, so that sucks. They probably what should not have made all the transporter rooms. They should not have made that adjustment to the ship. They should have kept all the transporter rooms. But in any case, yep. so we've got this crazy fire. Well, they storm. had to make room for the fencing arena. <laughs> they okay. sure did. They sure did. <laughs> but we couldn't make another concert hall. It's always yeah, okay. well. Anyways, so <laughs> so they have to transport everyone in, but because of the storm. It's like slowing it down. It's going to take a while. So they have to build these, you know, these firewalls to slow down the fire so that they have enough time to beam everybody out. So now it's kind of a high stakes situation. At this point, they have like nine minutes before the firestorm reaches the the outermost deflector or whatever, heat Mm -hmm. deflector. So they're really, really down to the second here. And they're trying to like get people out as fast as they can. Oh, and also because of the storm, communications are going to be spotty, which of course they are. So... (laughs) We're just like, because it wouldn't be dramatic moment without it. No, if we had clear communication and knew where everyone was, we wouldn't have a fear of if somebody died. So we need to have be like, we can't talk to anyone on the surface or whatever. So Darren uh, calms to Riker. And for some reason, Picard can hear this on the bridge. I wondered about that too. I was like, oh, when did this start happening? Breach of privacy is now a thing. I'm pretty sure it happened exactly now and never again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because the only time we hear like people on the bridge can hear what's going on on the planet is when they say, keep your comms open. And that means like everyone's listening. Thank you, Sharice. You can only listen in to somebody's communication if you have a vested interest in that person staying safe, apparently. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, Picard. He never mentioned, by the way, that he could hear them. He was just like, you know, <laughs> Picard to Riker. How long is it going to take to get the last of the water? He wasn't like, guys, what's going on over there? Like, <laughs> don't act, stop acting like you weren't listening in. And how did you do that, by the way? Yeah, so he could hear their conversation somehow. And you overhear them saying like, okay, uh, the storm is going to reach us in four minutes at this point, but Riker needs 10 more minutes to transport everybody. So then Picard has to give this really difficult command to all of the um, the teams who are fighting the fire to say, hey, keep that fire away as long as possible, yeah. right? Like if you could keep it up for like 11 minutes, that would be great. But that means you're going to have a lot of minutes of like fire right on you. And Mm -hmm. they are, by the way, they're like manipulating the fields in real time. They're like deflector number three, change it by 20%, deflector number four. Like they're at, you know, all in real time, keeping up these, these heat shields. So it's a really like stressful situation. 
And Picard has to make that hard decision to say, you guys have to stay as long as possible so we can get all of the people, all the people up. Yeah. And Picard is in a really tough spot because he's like, Jordy, the second the last civilians are out, beam them aboard. And Jordy's like, I don't have their signal. He's like, the second, Jordy. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, okay. Yes, sir. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I can't do that. Okay. Well, I'll just say yes, but like- I don't want to hear no. Okay. I'll tell you a yes, but they're not getting out. Anyway, so Picard <laughs> does learn um, from Riker that two teams are still stuck on the planet and the interference has prevented them from beaming Nella and her teams out. So we've learned that these storms are so intense that like you could survive just a couple of minutes at most, but it's going to take at least 10 minutes for the teams to be transported out and the storm is hitting in four minutes. So it's like, okay, it's going to be more than just a, like two minutes. It's going to be like five or six or seven minutes, whatever, right? I don't think they can survive at all once the, if the heat shields are compromised. Yeah, so they don't know. more than 300 degrees. Yeah, like they will be melted on the spot, but they don't know how long they can keep the heat shields up. It, you know, they don't know how long they can keep it against mm-hmm. the actual firestorm that hits them. So all those civilians get beamed up. Riker gets beamed up. He comes up with the last of the civilians. He's in sick bay, and Picard's talking to him, saying, like, what happened? He says, of the, like, eight teams, six of them beamed back. Two of them are still on the planet. We couldn't beam them out. And the firestorms yeah. have already surrounded absolutely everything. And he said there's absolutely no way anyone could survive that for any amount of time. And yeah, so and he's Picard like, and just, Nella was, Nella is one of Yes, those, and Nella was teams. in one of those teams. Like, oh he was God. like, it was team three and six or whatever he said. And he says, and I know that Nella was on team six. And Picard just turns mm. around and walks out. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't acknowledge yeah. anything. He just turns, yeah. away, turns around and walks out of sick bay. And you're just like, oh. And I the know. next scene, you just see him sitting in his quarters. He's got the flute on the table with the box open. And he's just sitting on the couch, just staring into space. And you're just like, oh Yeah, my he's gosh. just like totally numb in a state of shock. And it's just heartbreaking to think that you know, it's just heartbreaking to think that this is the position that you're in, just hoping against hope that your loved one has survived, but also knowing that there's no way they could survive. Yeah. Hearing Riker say like, there's no way someone can survive. It's like, oh my God. So, you know, he goes over to the table and he closes the box on the flute and it's just very symbolic. But as he's doing this, Worf comes over to say they found survivors and they're beaming up now. So he rushes to the transporter room and Nella is not there. And he sees all these people and they're all burnt and shit. Yeah. Limping off the transporter. And you just see him looking from face to face to face. Looking, looking, looking. And the last person walks out and there's no Nella. And you're just like, dang it. Because he just had like his heart ripped out. And then he had hope. And then he had his hope ripped out. And he's yeah. just standing there. And he just turns around to go walk away sadly again. And then there's no. one more beamy sound. And mm-hmm. he turns As around. he's walking away. Yeah. And he turns around and it's Nella and another crew member who are also all, you know, covered in soot and stuff. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, just like the look on his face. They can't just start making out right there. But I can't imagine what he was feeling to see her alive. And she just looks at him in the eye and then walks past to go to sickbay because they're both like smoke inhalation, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the woman that she's holding up is like can't walk on her own. So Mm -hmm. she has to like help this woman. The relief on Picard's face brought me to tears. It really did. I started crying because... This woman that he is so quickly falling in love with and now is like having a hard time like picturing his life without her almost died and he thought she might be dead and she narrowly escaped by the skin of her teeth. She you know should I mean? have and been dead. Like, yeah. She should have been dead, right? So it's like she was very, very lucky to survive. Eight crew members were not that lucky and they died. So it's like, wow, this wasn't just like everybody almost died, but we got everybody out like every other TNG episode. It's like, no. Eight people died. The danger right? was real, and, which I appreciate yeah. because they yes. they could have just had everybody survive magically. They could have absolutely done that. I wouldn't have questioned it. I would have been like, cool. 
they're smart. They figure stuff out. But to have people die shows us that she could have also died. Like she could have. And she did it. And she's telling him the story in his quarters later on. And she's saying they used the deflectors to create these little bubbles that insulated each and every member separately. But not mm-hmm. every member was able to get into a bubble in time. And so the ones who weren't covered by the heat, the personal heat shield were like burned to death and they had to stand there and watch them die from their bubble. Jesus Christ. Talk about PTSD. Yeah. I mean, so traumatic, so awful. So just such a crazy situation. And just to think, you know, just yesterday you're like playing the piano in a Jeffrey's tube. And then today Mm -hmm. you're on some fire planet watching someone melt in front of you. It's just like a crazy life sometimes being in Starfleet. Um, Yeah. And so she's, she's explaining this and Picard's just like staring at her, like you're alive, you're here, you know, just, Mm -hmm. and, and he just, he, he holds her hand and he's just like, I, I can't, I, I, when I saw you on that transporter, I realized I could never put you in harm's way ever again, never again. Um, and it was just really sweet because they have this heart to heart about the fact they've fallen in love with each other Mm -hmm. and the fact that they cannot be in this situation ever again. Like they cannot deal with this. And, and Picard says, yeah. And Picard says, you can always give up your commission and just come like, stay with me on the enterprise, you know, and just like be my wife and just hang out here. But, Mm -hmm. like, she is so passionately in love with what she does, just like he is, that she goes, well, you can always give up your commission and come stay with me at some star base looking at stars all day. I know. I love it. Neither one of them is going to I love the gender equality in all of this. I love the gender equality in this whole episode because she might be expected to give up her commission, but so is he just as much as her. Mm -hmm. And they both have an equal love and passion for what they do and their commitment to their duty where it's like... I can never put you in harm's way again. And what she says is, you will have to if I stay. So I've already put in for a transfer. She's already done the thing she knows she has to do because they can't live like this. You know, like what they both bring to the table is such a love and passion that that passion makes them really into each other. But if one of them just gave up their passions like that, it just, it wouldn't have the same intensity. It's like, you're kind of Mm -hmm. fundamentally changing some things about you that that other person loves. Like, so she applies for a transfer and P- Picard is like, well, we could do this long distance. Like people sync up their shore leave and stuff. But like her face, it's just like, this is never going to work. And it's one of those like summer camp keep in touch things. Yeah. Like, okay, well, call me every day. Oh, it's totally going to call you every day because we had such a great summer together and you never see that person again for the rest of your life. And you both yeah. know you're never going to see each other again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Like they're like, she's like, yeah, yeah, we could. And he's like, yeah, and it- it'll be great. Like, but you can tell they both know yeah. this is going to be their last meeting yeah and she makes him promise that he'll never give up on his music and they hug and say goodbye and she walks out and i was like man this episode really brought a lot of emotions up for me and i i really really like this episode a lot um i think it's pretty amazing like there's lots of cool things about it and i guess i'm going into my final thoughts it's like this episode has a lot of great things. Like we have a love interest for Picard. That's like a really great potential long-term love interest. Mm-hmm. Like if this was Vosh, she'd be like, yeah, this was never going to work in the long run. Like <laughs> let's just ride this thing until the wheels fall off, you know? And it's like, and they will. Right. But like mm-hmm. with Nella, it's like, no, you could really settle down and have a life with this woman. It's got music. It's got Jeffrey's tube. It's got firestorms. It's got, <laughs> it's got Beverly and Picard having tea. It's got a great tea set. Like it has just a, it has slice of life night shift like i love so many different aspects of Mm -hmm. this um episode and i really like nella a lot i wish we could have seen more of her i really would love to like see 
kind of comes of her. When and at breakfast, thought? we find out that Beverly likes Nella because he brings up, like, have you met Lieutenant Commander Darren? And mm. Beverly's like, yeah, I like her. She's such a go-getter. Like, she's great. A lot so of before, fortitude, yeah. Yeah, before she, before she knows that they're, like, a couple... Beverly's all on Team Darren. Mm-hmm. So, like, everybody likes her. And she's the kind of character, the way they wrote this character, there's nothing not to like. I mean, she's a little bossy and a little pushy with Riker. But, like, Riker's the second, you know, the first officer. Yeah. So he can just say no. <laughs> like, you're not, you're not afraid that he's going to be bo- rolled over at any time. Yeah, he can absolutely handle it. So y- you can't not like her. Yeah, And their relationship yeah. is, like, the most stable and healthy relationship I feel like he's had totally. <laughs> experienced in these past six seasons. And I feel like, you know, we had that episode with the with the woman who, like, imprinted her love onto yes. him or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, how you, how you really like that episode. And I, like, did not like that episode. I feel mm-hmm. like this, to me, is, like, a do-over for that. Mm. That, I was like, what is this? Like, this woman's property, <laughs> and she's, like, imprinting herself to a man she could never have. Like, what the F? But this... <laughs> This is like two people who both have like <laughs> who both have a say in their lives. They both have complete agency. They both choose to be together and they choose to break up. And they're just very conscious and like mature. Yeah. And and they're their really love deliberate. is really beautiful. Yeah, their love is really beautiful and they don't give up their love, but they know they have to move on to other people and other lives and I just I don't know that I like, I feel like this is what I wish that would have been, but that couldn't be because that was a totally different story. But this, this one felt good for me. This one felt like, yes, I'm happy for Picard. I'm happy for Darren. I'm, I would love for them to be together. It's a shame they can't be together, but like they can't be together. There's nothing about this episode either that feels forced to me. Like they Mm -hmm. made some BS reason why they can't be together. Mm -hmm. This is like totally legitimate, totally legitimate. You're just like, yeah, you guys can't do this. You can't, you can't be together because you're not going to let the other be put in danger and you're on the flagship yes. you're, every day you turn around it's romulans it's borg you're going to be yeah, put in danger this is not going to work yeah she's going to be in danger all the time even when you're in danger i in my head canon i can see picard and darren bumping into each other at like a conference or at a starbase mm-hmm. somewhere like 10 15 20 years in the future and just having a really lovely heartfelt catch up about their lives she's showing him pictures of like her kids or her grandkids or Mm -hmm. her something or her life or even if she didn't marry and have kids it's like this is what i'm doing and i think that they would i think maybe 20 years from now when they're a little bit not you know they're not like totally in danger like every effing five minutes like with their missions Mm -hmm. like then maybe they could see where things go you know or even at the very least they would have a lovely dinner together and have no hard feelings because they both were very adult about it and i yeah Love that so much. I really do. Yeah, same, same, same. My yeah, my final thoughts about this was just that it was really sweet and a very calming episode to watch. Yeah. I did put that, you know, I won't be adding this to my rewatch list. This is like you said, it's not one of my top 10, top 25 ones where mm-hmm. I'm like, like last week's episode where when we finished watching it, I was like, I want to watch it again. Oh, yeah. Let me see it again. Like this is not that. It wasn't bad at all. Like it was not mm-hmm. at all bad. This was not Aquiel. It made me sad though. It but it was it was kind of a bummer. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. In that transporter scene, I was like, this is a bummer. Like, <laughs> like she she almost died. Like this is just really sad seeing yeah. Picard so emptied. Um, it's a really bittersweet. It's 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 very calming and soothing. But I think also it's because it's sad that it won't be added to my rewatch. I want to watch the show to feel excited or to feel intellectually stimulated or challenged um societally challenged or something like that like oh changing the way that i'm thinking versus this one just makes me kind of sad but it's a very well told story like well done well done to the whole team 
Well done. Well done to the lessons team. On that note, next week, we're breaking down season six, episode 20, The Chase. I can't wait to talk about that one with you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and for nerding out with us. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.